started. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your words gives light and brings understanding. Father, we open our hearts to you, to your spirit, to teach us. Open up your word to us as we look and we uh, to you and we yield to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, you know, I think I've said every week now uh, for the, of this year, this is uh, the year of the glory of the Lord, or maybe a year of the glory of the Lord, but really it's going to be, and it is already, uh, the glory of the Lord is being poured out uh, in a, uh, this year, you know, in, in um, many ways, and it affects many things. And sometimes people get, um, have you ever heard about the, uh, the glory cloud, the cloud of glory? Uh, sometimes the, the glory cloud would come into the tent where they would meet uh, under the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and it would fill the tent so much that the, said the priest couldn't even stand to minister. And um, it's funny, people have different opinions and stuff. So I was reading after one particular um, individual, and uh, they said something about the glory and like uh, people that actually saw the glory cloud and how, you know, that was just the Old Testament. That's not the New Testament. That's nowhere in the New Testament. And I, I thought of... Uh, Stephen being stoned, it said he looked up into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, the position of authority, right? So actually, uh, the glory is in the New Testament and well, uh, even, even there, if you want to, you want to go there and, um, uh, maybe I shouldn't try to go this direction cause that's not the direction I'm trying to go, but I will just say this. Uh, because uh, you counter unbelief and lies with truth, you know, the truth of the word. And that is, uh, in Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 2, uh, we learn, or no, it's actually in Second Corinthians, we actually learn that the glory of the Old Covenant was a glory that was fading away. But the glory of the New Testament is so much more glorious than the Old. Right? So actually, we have greater glory. And uh, so it's a tremendous thing to have the glory of the Lord. But the reason I'm talking about that is many times uh, when I've heard people minister on the glory, well, it's wonderful to have a physical manifestation of the presence of God when you actually visually see a glory cloud. Um, and, uh, or sometimes you sense the glory cloud in your spirit. But what is the glory cloud and what's the purpose of the glory cloud and why, why I get, you know, uh, stumble, people, uh, flesh, human flesh a lot of times stumbles over the spectacular and misses the supernatural. And so you're like, oh, I saw the glory. Did you see the glory? I'm believing God to see the glory. Uh, you know, I guess you could say I'm believing God to see the glory, but that's like a side issue. I'm believing God to experience the glory so that I have a change in my life and you have a change in your life. And the glory of God is with us this year, like it hasn't been. And so there are experiences in the glory that go so far beyond, it's so shallow just to limit the experience of the glory to seeing the glory. I'm not saying you shouldn't see it because Stephen, do you know why Stephen saw the glory? Well, one of the reasons he saw the glory is it says he was full of the Holy Ghost and he looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God. Well, you get full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to see the glory of God. You yield to the Lord, you know, uh, uh, was it Exodus uh, 33, 18, uh, Moses prayed, you could pray that prayer, Lord, show me your glory, right? That that's the cry of your heart. If that's a heart prayer, not a head prayer, if that's a, I want to know you and see you and experience you kind of prayer. Well, uh, God's going to answer that prayer. And, um, you just keep praying that prayer and you keep experiencing the glory, you know, Lord, show me your glory. So, you know, uh, um, we've been praying that prayer all year. Well, since the 4th, uh, since uh, January 4th. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've been experiencing the glory. And, uh, you know, the word of the Lord came forth about this is the year of the glory of the Lord. And um, you have to position yourself in a position to receive. And you have to position your spirit in such a way that you draw from the presence of God. He's not trying to keep uh, his blessings from you. He actually has them for you, but he will not force you. Okay. And so, um, well, we were driving home, uh, from Tennessee to meeting. We were there at the first of the year. And, um, when we're driving home, uh, I, I began to read the word and, um, 
you know, it's full of glory. <laughs> and so I was reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, so we're going we're gonna to study that for a few minutes uh, today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 3, and I'm going to read, probably I'll go back and forth between the King James and the Passion Translation, um, just, to, just for a better understanding. I guess I'll begin in the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, All praise belongs to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. Now, as I'm reading through these verses up through verse 7, I want you to listen for the word comfort or consolation, all right? So He is the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them the same comfort that God has poured out upon us. And just as we experience the abundance of Christ's own sufferings, even more of God's comfort will cascade upon us through our union with Christ. If troubles weigh us down, that just means that we will receive even more comfort to pass on to you for your deliverance. It almost sounds like he's like, well, you know, a comfort. If, if, if troubles are coming on us, we just get more comfort, right? We're not like, well, it's going to be really tough because we're getting more trouble. No, we get more trouble. We get even more comfort uh, to pass on to you for your deliverance. For the comfort pouring into us empowers us to bring comfort to you. How can we bring comfort to you? Because there's comfort pouring into us that's empowering us. And not because we're just going to go like, I'm going to make you comfortable and I'm going to do all this type of stuff. The comfort comes from God. God is the comforter. So I got to read all the comfort things and I'll tell you about that. Um, empowers us to bring comfort to you. And with this comfort upholding you, you can endure victoriously the same suffering that we experience. Now, our hope for you is unshakable because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in God's comforting strength. So just as you share in the trials, you'll also share in the comforting strength. And probably uh, the Passion uh, translation of that last there, comforting strength, is my favorite because comfort, the word comfort there actually is the same root word as the word for Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, I'll send you another comforter. Well, it's, then it's also a word for Christ because if it's another comforter and he's the comforter, then the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And this comforter will then come to live on the inside of you because Christ didn't live on the inside of them. Christ was with them, right? And so we have such an advantage that the disciples did not have. Because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And the Spirit of God uh, really changes the whole dynamic and the whole situation because it is the strength of God and the comfort of God. Well, you know, I, I wrote a little definition of comfort that was stirring in my, in my heart in my notes the other day, my personal notes. And here's the definition. It says, comfort gives you the courage to advance with magnificent overcoming power or ability fueled by the power and faithfulness of God, right? Comfort, it gives, it, it, is, it is the really the courage that comes from God to advance in magnificent overcoming ability or overcoming power fueled by the power of God and the faithfulness of God, right? Because God is faithful. He comforts those that are in an affliction. And he, with that same comfort, he makes us just like him. And he says, I'm giving the same thing I'm doing for you. I'm giving it to you so you can do it to others. You know, Barclay said it's, the, it's like the speeches of leaders to those that are about to go into battle, but those that are timid and scared, and I'll add wimpy. But then this speech just infuses or downloads the power of God into a man or a woman, a child or an old person or a middle-aged person, that you get that, that magnificent overcoming ability 
and power that, that you see different. So you ever been like real kind of discouraged or like not maybe just discouraged, just ho-hum and everything. Oh, da, 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 da. And boy, you go and you go to a service or you get in the word for yourself and just the anointing comes and, you know, you were like ready to quit before. And then all of a sudden, the power of the Holy Ghost through the man of God or just through the word of God, uh, the woman of God, through a person that's anointed of the Lord and yielded to him, that just comes. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. Where is the devil? I'm going to smack him. <laughs> right? That is the comfort of God. It, 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 it is. That's why I, the, I think Passion said comforting strength. It's the strength of God. Um, you know, and when the word talks about enduring, it's not really talking about, well, you're just going to have to bear it. You're just going to have to, you're going to be pushed down the whole time while you're doing it. No, it is overcoming endurance. It is like, you know, I ran a marathon one time and I think I want to run another one, maybe this year even. So when I ran that marathon, boy, I tell you, that is endurance. That means no matter what it feels like, no matter what's going on, I am going to keep going and I am doing it with God's strength. So it's not endurance like I'm going to have to take it um, and be almost defeated by it. It is overcoming strength that you actually are victorious in it in the face of this adversity that's coming, this difficulty that's coming, this storm that's coming. In fact, Barclay said it's like you've got this big old storm coming, maybe like a blizzard or something. And instead of like just cowering and covering your face like this to protect it from the storm, when the Holy Spirit comes on you like this, when this kind of comfort comes, it, it infuses you in such a way that you actually get the strength of God instead of cowering from that thing you're like bring it on i am marching forward and so you begin to take step after step after step after step because god is strengthening you all right so i had to lay that foundation because the holy ghost said but also just to make sense okay and so um so he's talking about this comfort, the difficulties when we've been through, but we have had this strength from God. We have had this ability from God. We have had this power from God because he is faithful, because he has provided it. Uh, it's of him. Now let's go to verse eight. Verse eight. Oh, it's in my, I got to go back to my Bible. app. Okay. Verse eight. Brothers and sisters, you need to know. Okay. So he's. Just reformat it. Okay. Okay. So he's talking about, after he talked about all of this Holy Ghost power strength, right? And the speech of the Holy Ghost. Like you're going through this and it's actually the speeches of leaders, right? So it's the speeches of the Holy Ghost. In other words, he will speak to your spirit in your time of need. This is no match for my power right? This is no match for a man or a woman, young or old, who will yield to me and be united to me, right? Uh, because um, Jesus has already defeated all the power of the enemy, uh, utterly and completely. He was the first one to enter the death experience, and he entered it and was victorious over it. And the, in fact, the Bible says he tasted death for all men, Right. So he's already it went beyond you into the death that you deserved. And he went and he uh, uh, defeated it so that it could no longer have power over you. Right. That doesn't mean you're not going to die physically. I'm talking about the second death. Amen. All right. Brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced while we were in western Turkey. All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure, and we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about ready to give up entirely. You ever been there? It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts. Uh, King James says, we despaired even of life. Like, uh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Or we might as well be dead. Or I wish I was dead. I can't believe I have to go through this, right? Do we be despaired even of life, about to give up entirely? It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts, and we still feel it to this day. Well, they added that. I don't know that that's really supposed to be there. 
that, and we still feel it to this day. Either way, it has taught us to. So this is real key here. This death sentence, or this where we, the hardships we pass through, crushed on every side, you know, just difficulties. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all of our trust in God, who raises the dead. Well, that's pretty good. See, he didn't say God who heals, and he is the God who heals. He didn't say the God who provides, and he is the God who provides. He went just a little bit beyond any experience you have ever had, unless you have died and come back. Some people have done that. Most people haven't. So, uh, so what? It's taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and to place all our trust in God who raises the dead. So, you know, Paul's like, you know, we had a really difficult time. All these people were coming against us, and then we were even against ourselves. We gave all of our effort, all of our energy, and it still was not enough. And we're like, I wish I was dead. Uh, I don't want to deal with this, right? So, but this was good for us because it taught us to lose all faith in ourselves and place all of our trust in God who raises the dead. In other words, even if they kill us, God will raise me up. Right? All right. He has rescued us, verse 10, from terrifying encounters with death. And we now fasten our hopes on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again, as you labor together with us through prayer. Because uh, there are so many interceding for us. Our deliverance, you know, this is some reason why I don't like the Passion Translation. Because it doesn't really say, because there are so many interceding for us. So I'm going to read it without that because it's in italics, which means it's not actually from the original. As you labor together with us through prayer, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. So don't ever think your prayers aren't doing anything. Uh, well, if you think that, they're probably not. Okay. But if you're praying in faith, believing, God will answer your prayer. God will hear your prayer. And God will act based on your prayer. Right? Prayers that are in line with the Word. Verse 12. That's where I want to get to. Actually, there's a lot of things else I want to get to, but I don't know. I'm, I don't even have the time, so uh, we, we may be going all day here. Okay, so verse 12, we rejoice in saying with complete honesty and clear conscience that God has empowered us to conduct ourselves in a holy manner with no hidden agenda. God's marvelous grace enables us to minister to everyone with pure motives Melody, we put my phone up here so I can see the time. With pure motives, not in the clever wisdom of the world. And I'm going to read this in uh, King James. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly towards you. So I was reading this in the car, and I almost couldn't breathe, because when I'm reading this, let me chew this up because it's bothering me. All right, because when I'm reading this, I'm just thinking like, okay, talking about comfort, comfort, consolation, King James says consolation, so I'm like, okay, this is like the you needed like the power of God in the situation and the inspiration of God and the speeches of God to make it through this. And you're like, because it was such a tough time. They're getting us on every side. And, you know, we were despaired. And, oh, what are we going to do? And we might as well just give up and die. And I'm like, okay, I give up and die. And he's like, but this was good for us because... We learn not to trust in ourselves, but trust in God. And I'm like, okay, so you came to an end of yourself. And you're like, that's good. Like, okay, that's good. I got that. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I'm like, okay. And then you said it's good. And then you're saying here in verse 12, for our rejoicing is this. And I thought when I read that word rejoicing, I immediately remembered there's a definition of rejoicing that you find. It means, I don't know if I can do this here, I don't want to break anything, but it means 
to like jump up, spin around with exuberant joy. And I am like, I am like picturing this, Paul writing this. And I'm like, okay, so Lord, what, what is this happening? I'm like, he's saying, and then I, I went on and I read because, you know, basically I have a clear conscience about this. And he said, with godly sincerity, sincerity means without wax, literally. It means like there's, there's nothing clouded here. You know, it's like talking about honey without the wax. So you like pure honey. You're, the wax isn't clouding it or the wax isn't messing up the taste or getting in the way. It's just like pure. It's sincere, it's sincere honey. That's called sincere honey. And so uh, there's, there's nothing extra in there. So I'm like, he's like, I am rejoicing. I am jumping up, spinning around with exuberant joy. I like, I'm hilariously full of joy. And I'm telling you the truth. Like there is no dishonesty in here. There's no other motives. There's nothing impure. And I'm thinking, well, that must be because you got rid of that when you came in to an end of yourself and you realized everything I tried to do, it was never good enough and it never matched up. And so he's like, but this was the grace of God that we could live this way. Conversation means manner of life in the world and even more towards you. And I, all of a sudden I was like, <gasps> Melody, you know what Paul just, well, I couldn't say it that fast because I was like just, I was going to say speechless, but I was breathless. And I'm like, uh, and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm okay. Like, listen to this. Paul's like, uh, he's like, we had a really tough time. We wanted to die. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. God, the holiness you see me live, the way you see me live, is from God. Like, everything you see, like, even how I was with you. When I was with you, uh, what I gave you, that wasn't from me. That was from God. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like, but then I remembered in Philippians, who happens to be written by the same person, Paul. He's like, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He said, rejoice evermore. And then verse 24 of this chapter, if you go down to verse 24, he said, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy. Helpers of your joy. And so uh, I began to see something that I hadn't seen because in this verse, uh, verse 12, I had never seen that before. And I'm like, y what is this? What is this? And so let me, let me pull here to, towards the end of, the end of this uh, book here. Uh, chapter 12, verse 5. No? Chapter 11, verse 30. He said, Paul said, If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things that concern my infirmities. Infirmities just means my weaknesses or my inability to produce results. All right, chapter 12, verse 5. Of such a one, I... Okay, then he... he He's talking about he's just going to glory or boast or, you know, tell you, oh, look at this man uh, of his uh, mistakes or his difficulties or his challenges. And the really reason he's saying this is he's like, they got other people coming to Corinth trying to lead them astray. Right. And, uh, you know, they're boasting about, oh, look, I did this and I did that. And who is Paul? And he was he, he, he couldn't even, he's a short guy and he couldn't even speak well and all this type of stuff, just really criticizing him. And, um, you know. He's basically like, uh, that's foolish. He says, so I'll be foolish. All right, if you want to be foolish, I'll show you foolishness. Literally, if you read it, the whole thing, which we don't have time to do that, that's what he's saying. And then uh, he goes on to verse 12. He said, it's expedient. It's not expedient for me or not profitable for me to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. In verse 5, he's talking about those visions and revelations. And he said, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. Because he said, I, I knew a man in Christ once. So he's saying, even this experience with the glory of God and the revelation that came, that was the Lord and not me. 
That was nothing of me, nothing that I had done. And then in verse 10 he says, Therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, or my weaknesses, my inabilities to produce results, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Here's what we're going to get to. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. So let's go back uh, to uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians uh, 12, uh, excuse me, 1.12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of a good conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. So the, one of the greatest keys to strength in life is finally coming into your, to an end of yourself and just turning to God and saying, Lord, uh, I've tried it. I can't do it. I'm going to put my trust in you. And when you do that and you realize you do it and you recognize what's happening, you will have such joy and rejoicing that, that you'll just be bubbling over all the time because you know like this is the Lord and not me. And like, uh, look what the Lord's done. Look what the Lord's doing. I met this guy one time, this couple, at a minister's meeting in um, Waco, Texas. It was in Waco, Texas. Actually, it wasn't a, a minister's meeting. It was uh, Jim Hockaday was ministering. Anyhow, uh, so we were in Waco, Texas. And uh, man, just tremendous uh, miracles in that service and tremendous things happened. In fact, a guy... Uh, there was a, a, a wife and a, a child there, and uh, I think the, the man had back problems, wasn't it? He wasn't there. He was home. And so uh, this is back in uh, probably 2004. And uh, this man had uh, some, some back problems, and the wife so wanted him to be set free and delivered, and he couldn't come to the meeting because his back was so bad. And so uh, he's like, well, just call him on his cell phone. So he called him on his cell phone spoke the word of God to him, and that man was set free right there at home across the cell phone airwaves, right? Well, really, there's no distance in the spirit. It wasn't really a cell phone airwaves, but he heard, he heard the word through the airwaves, and the Holy Ghost met him, set free. Well, at this meeting, uh, there was this, uh, this couple, and, uh, you know, the man was just, like, kind of laughing about everything. You remember that? He was just like, <laughs> this is so good. And his wife comes and says, she's like kind of like type A, like real structure and everything like that. And she's like, I locked the keys in the car. <laughs> and she's like, this is horrible. And he's like, I'm talking right now. She's like, the keys are locked in the car. And he's like, and she's getting more and more upset because he is not really responding the way she wants him to respond. He is not concerned. He's like, he's like, well, we'll just pray and the Lord will work it out. You know, it, it's not a problem. Well, what's the point of worrying about it? Well, we got to, so she's like all stressed out and doing all this stuff and going and coming back. I don't remember what it was, but we just kept talking. <laughs> he's laughing. All of a sudden, come back a little bit. Uh, somehow, I don't remember the, I don't remember the whole uh, details of it, but they were able to get in the car, got the keys and everything was fine. And he's like, see, I told you, honey, don't worry about it. And she's like, oh, oh. Well, he had come to an end of himself, and he had just looked to the Lord. Like, okay, Lord, sometimes because it's such a uh, natural thing, and you know how this works. Like when the keys are locked in the car, you cannot get them. You break a window or you call a locksmith, right? Well, just turn to the Lord first. See what the Lord says. Uh, that may be true. You may have to have a key, or you may have to have a locksmith. But you might have forgot that you have an extra key in your purse or that so-and-so has an extra key or that the, 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 one of the locks is not working, right? But you get all stressed and try to do it yourself. And uh, boy, uh, your stress level goes up. Uh, your frustration goes up. Well, you're kind of almost guaranteed not to get the will of God in that because Jesus or Paul said, uh, the Holy Spirit said through Paul in Philippians chapter 4, uh, you know, take all your frets, all your anxieties, and cast them on the Lord. So Paul is telling us how he learned to do that. He's like, sometimes it takes you 
coming to the end of yourself. It's great if you can learn from somebody else, but in, in some part of your life, most people are going to have to learn personally. And you need to know personally the rejoicing of the Lord. And if you know, like, man, I came to the end, but God showed up. When I, when I kind of gave up, God showed up. Uh, when I am weak, then I'm strong. In other words, when you kind of let loose and you grab hold of God, then His strength comes and empowers you and um, animates you and gives you the words. And, you know, the Bible even says you don't have to know when people are coming against you and those type of things in that day. I'll give you the words to speak. You don't even have to uh, come up with those. You just look to the Holy Spirit on the inside and He will lead you and guide you. He'll show you the way. So we live really in a day of rejoicing and a day of uh, laughing and a day of praising. And, um, you know, I, I want to minister, I feel led to minister on uh, the joy of the Lord and the glory of God, uh, but I probably don't have time today. So uh, we'll have to do that next week, um, uh, at least the, the glory of the Lord part. But, you know, I'll say this, the glory of the Lord when the glory of God shows up in your life, there is a reason that His glory shows up. And the glory doesn't show up just so you can see something that is brilliant and bright and spectacular. Maybe like, you know, well, it's not going to be that bright because, you know, it's cloudy because it's snowing. But after the clouds leave and the sun comes and it's so bright on the snow and you can't really see because of the reflection of the snow. Some people uh, describe when they see the glory like that. That is a physical manifestation, we call it, or it's how the glory sometimes shows up in physical form. It is so bright and brilliant that even your natural senses are overcome by it. Well, that's wonderful, and that is awesome. But when you experience the glory personally, the same thing happens, but in the realm of the Spirit, so that you may see in the Word something so bright and brilliant that you are almost overcome by it. Because, you know, the glory of God means, like one of the definitions is the heaviness of God. Like the Old Testament, is, is, the word is uh, kabod or kabod. I don't even know how to pronounce the thing. Um, but it means weighty or heavy. There's an there's a old um, dictionary on the Old Testament by William Wilson that lists several different uh, aspects of the glory of God. And I'm going to read those real quick just to give you a, a teaser for maybe next week's message. <laughs> Um, the glory of God denotes wealth, numbers, commerce, power, wisdom, promotion, superiority, dignity, authority, nobility, splendor, valor, magnificence, extraordinary privileges, and advantages. All right, so if you see the glory, that is like pretty wealthy. In other words, there's a wealth of light in the glory and there's a wealth of the cloud in the glory cloud, right? But what I'm trying to say is don't just stumble over the physical manifestation of the thing, which is a blessing, but get to the heart of the glory. So what is it? Well, think of, let's just take wealth, right? Let's take wealth. What do you think of when you think of wealth? Well, you think of somebody that's not only rich, but they're wealthy. So they're not really trying to play the part. They are the part, right? They got a lot. They got more than enough. And it's not like they're going to expend a lot and it's not really going to affect them because it's so wealthy. Well, that glory of God is so wealthy that in the glory, there is so much more than what you could even have the capacity to have, right? You say, Lord, expand my capacity to receive. So in the glory, there is this wealth. And there are numbers, and there is commerce, and there is power, and there is wisdom. So, let, let me kind of close out with this. And that is, in the glory, when you have experiences with the glory of God, 
one of the things that are, is going to happen is you're going to have a wealth of revelation knowledge and revelation light that is so brilliant that you're overcome by the amount of light revelation and understanding that comes from God. And so when that happens, you know, that began happening to me uh, in a greater measure than it really ever happened, so much so that my physical body was so affected that I couldn't breathe. And then I, I, I was beginning the, the, we were having a time of prayer with our kids and reading the word and uh, last week and man, just like I was overcome and I, I couldn't speak. And if I could describe it, it was the most magnificent, brilliant, weighty, like what I'm seeing and that he's revealing, it's so weighty and so uh, majestic. Like you think of a king on a throne, on a majestic throne, right? And then he has like his royal robes on and, and the throne is arrayed in, in uh, jewels and, and gold and like perfection. And, and you just kind of want to, if you went into that, that uh, the king's throne room on the presence of the king like that, you want to have like the right decorum and the right uh, posture and say the right things because it's so majestic, right? Well, I'm talking about holy majesty, right? And so when the glory comes and, and that revelation shows up, it's like a holy majestic revelation. And when you experience that, something happens in the depths of your being that changes you and marks you for all eternity. You actually carry that with you and it changes you and it is real and it is tangible and you think different and you talk different and you act different and you live different and you laugh different because God has made a change, right? So this is what we're talking about when we talk about the glory of God. Uh, but you know, you're going to have to come back next week, you know? And, uh, you know, our church, you know, Wednesday night, if you were there or, or happened to watch, you know, uh, the glory of God is uh, um, uh, showing up, uh, people being affected. You know, a lot of people just uh, uh, an anointing to laugh and different things. But same thing. You see the outward demonstration of laughter. Laughter is good like a medicine. They even have secular laughing groups to help people stay healthy because it's very healthy to laugh. It releases endorphins, releases other chemicals that are good for you. But I guarantee you when the glory of God shows up that way, there's a whole lot more happening under the surface than what you may see on the surface. But you're, you're yielding your flesh on the surface to that working of God allows His anointing and the work that He's doing to get a deep place on the inside of you. Because you're not resisting. You know, the Bible talks about stiff-necked people. What's well, stiff-necked? Well, stiff-necked is like, you're kind of like, I'm just going to, you know, I think of, you know, children sometimes. You're like, you know, do, do, you need to like change your attitude right now. I am not going to change my attitude. <laughs> you know, you, can get, you actually get a stiff neck. And you're, that's, that's a sign of resistance. And I am not doing this, right? And so uh, you yield to the Lord. And when you yield to the Lord, man, the blessing of the Lord will change your life. And we are to go from one glory to another glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to read that scripture, if I find it real quick here, and then, um, then I'm going to pray. Here it is. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So right after we're talking about this, right? <laughs> You just go over two chapters. Verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so your life and my life, the life of a believer who is full of God, full of his spirit, 
is supposed to go from one glory to another glory so that you have this meeting with God and it leads to another meeting with God. And in that atmosphere, you're like looking into a mirror and you begin like your natural face begins to take second place and you begin to see in the spirit who God has made you to be, who you are in Christ. You, you behold as in a mirror what the glory of the Lord. And so you start to see the glory of God and it, it changes you and affects you. For the rest of your life, you carry those things. Those are eternal experiences. You live in the realm of time. There is no time in eternity. And so you actually have those and those are deposits for you. And you're changed from glory to glory by God's Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, um, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, Father, we thank you. You are so good. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your glory, your presence, that your Spirit Himself has come to us. And He is weighty. And he, this changes everything. Father, thank you for the changes Oh, basi akorami ista ista rasta wusta bahe. Thank you, Lord. Samara hote fia shala. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for changes. I just uh, had to say something to the Lord there in other tongues, so you didn't hear it. Tapaya. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> and so. Uh, Asia kora pikiala ustemita u de fisto ulamandi kisto isto ulamandi kis ervanzoso da bastur di bikist o ranamasto matingi esto matara angoto esto ote dika doho brada voto aha bodosete. Hallelujah. And so these changes are even coming upon the men and women of the earth, and these changes are coming. And even not like such a such a gradual thing, but actually coming in more depth and uh, more uh, what is that word, Lord? More more expanse, a greater expanse and a greater enlargement of those things, and even of the glory upon men and women, young and old. And so this is the time to draw near unto me, and you will see. You shall see the glory, and you shall see changes, changes in your own life, and changes in the lives of those around you, even that surround you, even those changes which you thought were impossible. For in the glory there is great power and ability and even great knowledge and understanding and the light that's in the glory shall shine even to the dark places of your life and the dark places even of the lives of others that you have contended for and not understood why these things are so but in the glory you shall get words that you shall speak and when you speak those words they shall effect a change in the atmosphere and they shall effect a change in the lives and the hearts even of people that they shall be receptive to receive and they'll enter in even to a greater place and greater comfort and greater help and greater strength. And so don't be uh, preoccupied with other things in these days. These are the final days on the earth. So give yourself wholly to the word of God and live and breathe and move in it and in him and you shall see even great supply for you. Oh, it's not a thing for those who are just so experienced and so far beyond in the things of God, but it is a thing for every one of my children. If they'll just turn in their hearts to me, they'll see I'll bring a supply and they'll have great victory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, uh, that's just demonstrations of the spirit, demonstrations of the spirit demonstration of the of the spirit and the power of God and so even those demonstrations you see they cause uh changes like when the power of God you know Paul talked about demonstrations of the spirit and of power that your face should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God <laughs> and so so what happens 
when the glory of God comes is there is a demonstration of power. There's a manifestation, rather, I should say, of power, the power of God and the spirit and power. And so that's just a demonstration from the Lord. It is a working of the spirit uh, of God. Right. And so um, I was um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was reading the other day about spirituals. What are spirituals? Spirituals is the word in the Greek in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul talks about, most translations call it the gifts of the Spirit, but really it says now concerning spirituals, huh, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And so, huh, <laughs> I was reading about the spirituals. Well, I had learned from mom and dad Goodwin that that really means things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. And then I did some of my own studying and saw that's true. But then I was looking in this dictionary this week, talking about, or last week, I don't remember, recently, spirituals. And it said, it always pertains to invisible things and power. Wow. Right? So I'm talking about this is demonstrations of the spirit and of power. Amen. Right? Well, what happens? Well, in the realm of the spirit, you receive. And when you receive in the realm of the spirit, something happens to your natural. You receive healing in the spirit, your body will change. So it's invisible things. Our faith is invisible. We, faith actually has a connotation of you're believing in something invisible. And it's not just something, it's someone. Right? We believe in Him. And when we do that, that belief causes a change in something we can't see, which is our spirit. We are changed on the inside. And that change on the inside, that affects the outside. This is why if you're watching and you have never been born again, don't get the false idea, don't let the devil deceive you that you have to change yourself and clean yourself up to come to God. You can't even do it good enough. Like Paul said, I tried all this stuff. Finally, I came to the end of myself, taught me to trust in God. So if you're like, boy, I'm too dirty. I'm not holy enough. I don't do enough good things. No, no, no. You got to have a change on the inside. And when that change happens on the inside, it's an invisible change, but it will show up on the outside. All of a sudden, you'll have different desires. Even that's on the inside. But those desires will lead you to think different things, which will lead you to say different things, which will lead you to do different things. You'll be changed. Right? And then you'll go from one glory to another glory, even, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Praise the Lord. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, today is your day. God loves you. It's not just something that we say. Well, sometimes it is something you just say. But I'm talking like, I'm talking to you. He knows exactly what is going on in your life, where you are right now, what you have experienced, the hurts that you have. In fact, Jesus is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. The Bible said he took on flesh that he could, um, uh, um, oh, I can just think of the King James word. He can succor those who live in the flesh and have the challenges and desires and problems of the flesh. So he came in flesh so he could relate to us. He's touched with the feelings of, of our weakness. He knows what it feels like to have the weakness of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and the lust of the flesh and how the flesh wants to overcome you. He knows what it's like. He experienced it in all points, right? But he was without sin so that he could overcome it in all points. So that when you receive him, you can overcome in every single point when you do it in his strength, not your own. You come to the end of your strength, you come to the end of yourself, and you say, you want to come to God, what you say is, Father God, I am not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for you now. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer here in just a few seconds. And when I do, I want you to pray that prayer with me. If you want to uh, become part of God's family, if you want to be born again and be brand new, if you want to have this change in your life. And when we pray, when you pray those words, God is going to hear your prayer. You have a position with God and an audience with God, and he's been waiting your entire life 
for you to pray this prayer and for you to come to him. And he has, he has arranged this meeting. This is not a coincidence. This is not a mistake. God has set you up to succeed, not to fail. Don't believe the lie of the devil. The devil goes about deceiving, trying to impugn the motives of God. Every motive of God, every plan of God for your life is good and it is not evil. It's to give you a hope and a future. If you're without hope, you need the author of hope. If you're without life, you feel like you feel dead while you're alive, you need the author of life. And his name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray a prayer now and we're going to give our lives to the Lord. Those that are believers in the room here with me, they can pray with me. If you're a believer at home, you can pray with me. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ, I want you to pray with me. And I want you to pray from your heart. You say, how do I find my heart? Well, the best way, one of the best ways I know to find your heart is it's the place in your being deep on the inside of you where when you forgive someone and you really forgive them. You're not going to hold it against them. You're wiping that offense out or the thing that they did to you, you're totally removing it. You're not going to hold it against them. you got a, a clear relationship again. Whatever place in your being you have to go to do that, that's your heart. That is where you believe. Uh, the Bible says that when you believe with your heart and then say with your mouth about the Lordship of Jesus that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the prayer we're going to pray right now. Say this with me. I want you to make that decision though. You decide. And then no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. By, by, by praying this prayer, you're saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. You're saying, I want my sins forgiven and wiped out forever. I want them removed from me. I don't want to deal with them anymore. You're saying, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Let's pray. Say this after me. Say, Oh God, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to set me free from the power of those sins, from the power of the devil, and to make me free to live for you. Jesus I take you right now and I make you my Lord. I'm going to live for you every day. I'm done living to please myself. I'm living to please you now. Thank you, Father God, that I am now a part of your family, that you protect me, that you speak to me, that you lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Best decision you could ever make. Something just happened on the inside of you. You have just been born from above or born again. The very life of God and the nature of God has come into your spirit, into your inner being. You're a different man. You're a different woman. Everything's changed. We want to get your name, if, if you would be so gracious to give it to us, so that, not so we can bombard you with a bunch of uh, junk mail or junk email or snail mail or whatever it is. Uh, we want to pray for you. I want to personally pray for you. And we want to get you some materials, if you'd like them, uh, that can help you live for God. And to help you experience life where you go from one glorious experience with the Lord to another. That, that you're changed by God's Spirit. That you're infused with His life and your conscious and understanding of who He's made you to be. That's God's plan for your life. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to set you free. <laughs> where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is such freedom that you have, until now, never experienced. Now you're going to have a freedom that you didn't know was even possible.